Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. If you have ever just a sliver of an opportunity to allow someone some dignity, do it. Because one day, you might be that person. One day, likely, you will be that person. And I, I've been someone who was a caregiver to both of my parents prior to their, their going to be with the Lord. And I, I know how important it was. I sensed it. I could see it in their eyes. And I don't know how your folks got when they got older, but my folks, both of them got kind of beady eyes. It was like they could look right through your soul, man. You know, my parents were just like that. I don't know what happened, but as they got older, they look right through you, man. Just see it. But I remember my parents having that kind of intensity in their heart when we would talk, and I could tell their desires, hey, just allow me some dignity. It's an important concept. And I think this idea here is the desire is not to be a burden. I didn't want to be a burden to you. Now, this is a little extra one associated with that in verse 17. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? Those that I would interact with and those that I might you know, send that way, did they misrepresent or were they in the same frame of mind? I think that's important in our love and our interaction with others that it be based in a like-minded format. Not the, those that sent that you interact with, they, you don't want them to be thinking any differently about that person than you do. Love's thinking about that. Love's concerned about the interaction they might have with other people. The fourth one we find in verse 19. But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. Love is looking to build up. Love is always looking to build up. Edification, to edify, means to build up. And so love is always looking to build up. Not to destroy or tear down or say demeaning things, you see. But love is looking to say something that's going to be encouraging, even though it might be challenging. Paul, in everything he said, in all of 2 Corinthians, said nothing to be demeaning to them, to, to tear them down in any way. He only said those things that would be for edification, that it might, even the hard things, brothers and sisters, even the difficult things that love needs to say sometimes, that he said it because he wanted to build them up. He wanted them to grow and mature and to be what God would intend them to be. So that fourth thing, edification. We do all things, beloved, for your edification. Isn't it neat? He just says that right in the middle of it, beloved. He says, man, I have a heart for you, beloved, he says, for your edification. The fifth thing we find in verse 21, and I think this is an interesting one, not only for you and me in our immediate sphere of people we interact with, 
but it, it, it has to do with our worldview, as it would be said, or our general perspective of life around us. What is my vantage point overall of, of the world as it is? Do I, because true agape love would have this perspective. In the middle part of verse 21, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of. Do you, do I, do we have that kind of a heart for others around us that when there's sin, when there's issues, which we all fail, we all sin, all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And brothers and sisters, yes, I understand if you've given your life to the Lord, past, present, and future sin is forgiven and done away with on the cross. We are encapsulated in, in this grace and mercy of God, for sure. But that doesn't mean you don't sin. That's a misnomer. You know, you, you, you miss the mark. We sin. But what's so great is we have this advocacy. We have this, this one that sits in, in our defense. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And so we can call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I think I've missed it here. It's clear I've, I've missed it. Will you forgive me? Now that changes us. God's forgiveness is instantaneous for all of us. But this is real. This is where we live. And I, I think that idea of mourning for many who have sinned before and have not repented of, and he gives a little list of things. But the reality is, is, is that our perspective? Love sees a, a relationship or a situation that way. Love sees it in a, hey, I'm willing to forgive. God sees you in that way. Okay, it didn't go exactly like you thought it was going to go. Okay, it didn't work out exactly like you'd hoped it was going to work out. Okay, but it's time to move forward. Satan is the only one that wants to trap you that way and say, you've messed up. God will never forgive you. God's not going to accept you. Don't ever go to church again. Don't pray. Why bother? God doesn't care about you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God does love you. God does have a purpose. And Paul's heart in listing off these five things that agape love prompts, it, it promotes, it's, it's displayed by these actions. I would ask, is that your heart? Is that my heart for others around us? When they fail, when it's happened to you, Paul has been violated by these people. They didn't stand up and, and defend him. As we wrap this little bit up here quickly in chapter 13, and we can just kind of close out this book, Paul's now kind of wrapping up, knowing that he's had to say these things. He says, this will be the third time in verse 1 of chapter 13, I am coming to you. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. In Deuteronomy, this is spoken. Paul goes back and quotes it. You remember Jesus also quoted this same portion, didn't he? Matthew chapter 18, when he talked about dealing with a sinning brother or sister. And he used that same scripture there. I think Paul finds himself in this spot that sometimes in love and with our heart for other people, we need to comfort those who are afflicted. 
Remember, the God of all comfort, we started out that with the God of all comfort who comforts those. You know, we, we learned about that in the early chapters, comforting the afflicted. But sometimes love also needs to really afflict those who are too comfortable. Those who have gotten set in worldly ways and have really not embraced the love of God the way Paul here has been describing it. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. He says, I'm going to be, I'm going to deal with this matter. You guys take care of it. That's what his heart was. You guys take care of these things. You're you're embracing all this other stuff out there, but you're not really hearing the heart of the shepherd. The Corinthian church just embraced all kinds of things. It's not much different than the church universal overall today. We just kind of take on all kinds of ideas and things. We just kind of embrace all kinds of stuff. But that's not really what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be able to, as we learned in Matthew 18 and other portions of Scripture, when you go back into um, the early parts of the Sermon on the Mount, Because as soon as you apply Matthew 18, then the next thing comes back to you when you say something and are trying to bring some accountability to a matter. Oftentimes what's brought back to you or to me is, well, you're judging me. No. Judgment to condemnation is inappropriate for any of us. We have no right to that. But what we do have right to is to challenge and say, hey, listen, that's not in line with the Lord. What's going on? You know, what's, what's happening here? And there's a rightness to that that we've kind of lost sight of a little bit. And I'm not talking about sin sniffing and Ricky Rule finding and all that stuff that goes on. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about honest interaction with, with relationships and godly challenge. He says, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, you know, this is what their, their whole thing was. Uh, you know, maybe it, he's not really as anointed as he, we, we thought he was or something. It's kind of their, the thought. Who is not weak toward you but mighty in you? He says, you've got Jesus Christ. You received Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, you've got Christ living within your life. For though we were, he was crucified in weakness, Jesus yielded and put him, allowed himself. Remember, he said he gave himself for us on the cross. He gave himself. He willingly yielded his life. Now, it appeared to be weakness. Truly, we know it to be meekness. And there's two different things. Meek and weak aren't the same thing. Meek is power under control. It's like a racehorse in a gate. You know, it's ready to go. It's it's power, but it's slightly restrained or under, under control, under mastery, as it were. That's, that's strength under control. That, that's, that's meek. And I would say Jesus surely was meek, but not weak. But they would perceive from a worldly perception, oh, it's just weakness, you see. He was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? He's really pushing the the envelope with him, isn't he? He says, 
Look at these things he talked about in verse 14 of the last chapter through 21. He says, this is a display of love and it should be embraced readily that that's seen in that way that, hey, this guy's looking out for my best interest. He's, he's really speaking the truth to me. Where others may not be willing to speak the truth, he's willing to say the truth. And that's painful sometimes to receive and it's difficult to share. But the benefits can be unbelievable if we would but receive that. See, our world today, we're so not into that. We are just not into that. Hey, that's kind of your business. That's, you know, you're, you're now in my business. And, you know, that kind of, it's all these weird boundaries, you know. I, I try and understand exactly what that means. But if, if we're going to have a relationship, it has to be based on truth. It has to be based on something real, right? Not something plastic or something fake. And Paul's being real with them in that sense. Examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. Because see, if you're in the faith, then there's certain things that are going to look or be displayed as you are in the faith. I'm going to come back to that when we close out in just a minute. Let me finish verse 5. That Jesus Christ is in you. He says he's challenging them on that, unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified. We're not a counterfeit. So in our surfing world and different worlds, some of you are familiar with this term, but they call them posers. These are people that act like they're kind of into something, but they're not really into it. They just want to wear the cool clothes and act like they're into that, but they're not really into that. That's a poser, right? So there's those that might be posers thinking they have something to do with God, but they really don't have anything to do with it. They know Christianese, so they can talk all the Christian jingle, but they really don't know God or aren't really walking with God. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, in verse 7. Not that we should appear approved, but yet you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And do nothing against the truth. The truth is the truth, whether you believe it or I believe it or anybody else. Truth is going to be truth. There are absolutes. Sorry to all those people that are so much smarter than me that don't think there are, but there are. Absolutes exist on a lot of levels, both spiritually and there's physical laws that prove truth. I can think that I can hop on top of the building up here and throw a brick off, and I can think as hard as I want that, that it's just not going to happen when I throw the brick off that it's going to land on the ground below. But we all know, guaranteed, that's what's going to happen, right? It's a, it's a truth. It's a fact. It's going to happen that way. It's just silliness, isn't it? Anyway. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that, that you may be made complete. He says, man, well, the whole desire is that you might mature, that you might grow up, that you might really continue to develop. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being absent I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. He says this a few times, as you remember, as we've gone through this letter. It's not for destruction. It's for edification, to build up. He uses that authority, that, that sort of power, as it were, that he's been entrusted with to do good things. Finally, brethren, farewell. Finally, 
brethren, farewell. Be complete. Become complete. Man, become complete. Continue to grow. Continue to mature. Receive what I've said. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And then notice this result. And if, you, if you're allowing these things to happen, you know, he says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. His presence is there. There's nothing that compares to the presence of the living God. There is nothing, 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 nothing on the face of this earth that compares to the presence of the Lord. Truly nothing compares to God's presence. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the Communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, for them, it's a handshake. And still, in a lot of countries, it's, it, you know, they kiss you on the cheek and stuff. I can give you a great, I was thinking, how do you give a good illustration of that, you know? Because people get weird about that kind of thing. I've got one. I, I Really, and it was just last week that this happened to me. So, we've had our services and everything, and I was over visiting with different people at the end of service, and I don't know, I think probably many of you have met, you've met Jeremy's mom and dad, okay? And then Jeremy's grandma was here. Now, she's, you know, gone through a lot. She's, you know, her husband went to be with the Lord not too long ago within the last couple of years and so on and so forth. I'm actually, I'm both of the sides, but this is, this is um, Jeremy's mom's mom. And uh, so she, she's talking with me, and we're, we're just kind of visiting. And she, uh, she goes, oh, man, I really appreciate the word. I said, well, that's great, man. That's awesome. She's been going through a lot, you know, health-wise and stuff. She's, been, she's had a lot of infirmity. And, and so it was really just something that spoke to her heart. It touched her heart, and she's just sharing with me about something. That's, that's just, just awesome. That's great. And then she kind of grabs a hold of me, and she brings me down, and she just gives me a big kiss on the cheek. Oh, it was so wonderful. That's a holy kiss. That was a wonderful thing. It was really a precious gift from God. You know, what she doesn't know is my mom used to kiss me like that. My mom was about the same height. And would do that and grab me and pull me down to give me a kiss like that. So it was a gift for me too. But those are, that's, that's a holy kiss. That's, a, that's, that's the right display of, of, of godly affection, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Brothers and sisters, you see, one of the things as we gather together, you know, this growth that Paul's talking about in here, it doesn't take place for you and I. And this is why we have different services and different times where we can get together to get into the Word and, and be together. Because you see, we're, like, we're supposed to be like lumps of coal, chunks of coal. And that coal, off by itself in isolation, extinguishes ultimately. But when pushed up against one another, when pushed up against each other, it creates a good fire. It's important for us. Growth really doesn't take place in isolation because there's no challenge really. Not in that way. Not in the way that God desires. Growth takes place as we are gathered together, as we're growing and being challenged, as God's doing that work together in our lives. This idea about examining ourselves, and Paul's really talking about in verse 5, is this is where we're going to close this morning. He's saying, you know, the only way is to be born again. 
And if in fact you are born again of the Spirit, John chapter 3, if you're born of the Spirit, Jesus talked about this, if you're born of the Spirit, there's going to be a manifestation of the presence of God within your life. And you find that manifestation of God's presence in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. You find this manifestation. This, this basically, it's just manifestation. I'd like to say it's the proof of his presence, but I, you know, I, I don't want to overstate that. I just want to say clearly that God in you is going to respond and act and see things in a certain way. And you really find that in 1 John 2. 3 through 11. That's where you locate that. And if, in fact, that's not happening, there's, God doesn't have a problem, right? We're going to all agree on that, right? God has no problems. God's perfect. He's f- fully complete. We struggle with things, but God doesn't have a problem. So one of the things he says is test, make sure, because faith is an active thing. Make sure you're engaged in real Christianity, not pseudo, not I kind of know about, but make sure it's, it's happening today, that God's activated and alive in your life. And this idea of test is really what he says in examine, let God in. God, am I really walking close with you? Are you as excited or as interested in the things of the Lord as you were last week, last month, last year, several years ago when you first gave your life to the Lord? That's, you see, we're to be growing. That should be a, a mounting excitement, especially as we're driving and getting closer to our destination and we start seeing the road signs popping up more frequently. Watch the newspaper, watch the news, Newspaper, Let's, that's dating me. Watch on your iPad when you look at your, <laughs> get your newspapers from all over the world. Um, but you see what I'm saying? The idea is, man, we're getting closer and closer to the things are changing on our planet, aren't they? Look what's going on with Iran, huh? Look what's happening with Russia right now. Man, let's get ready. The Lord's on the move. Things are happening. God's doing stuff. And we want to be people that are tuned in to what God's doing. Got to be engaged. Got to be with it. We don't want to be pseudo. Examine. Let's check ourselves. Make sure. This is Pastor Jim. You know, I know as we listen to the Word, oftentimes the Spirit begins to convict us. And you know, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. You know, it is very exclusive, Christianity is, and I know that offends some. But it's also all-inclusive in that Anyone who would give their life to Jesus can have everlasting life. But it is exclusive in the sense that Jesus said he is the way, the only way to have everlasting life. If the Lord's tugging on your heart just now, would you open the door and let him in? 
Just pray this simple prayer of faith along with me now. While you're driving or, or wherever you are, uh, whatever you're doing, sitting in front of a computer, wherever you are, whether it's through the internet or through the airwaves, I just encourage you right now to open your heart to Jesus and begin that new life. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the newness of life that I have in you, and I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might be pleasing to you and give you glory. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus Christ.